This is HPR episode 1773 entitled LFNW 2015 Interview with Deb Nicholson and is part of the series Interviews. It is hosted by David Whitman and is about 18 minutes long. The summary is David Whitman interviews Deborah Nicholson of the Open Invention Network. Enjoy. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Best Northwest with Deb Nicholson. Where are you from, Deb? Uh, so I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, although I'm originally from Maryland, so I don't have that accent. I guess we wanted to get together here for to get some audio for Hacker Public Radio, so I'm just going to let you go and talk about what you would like to share with us. Okay, so... Uh, to start out with, I just got out of the class, or the session here at Linux Fest Northwest. Tell us a little bit about that, and I guess say everything you said there again. You don't have to do that. Just kind of summarize and then talk about the other right. things. And I'll have some questions for you a little later. Okay. So I was talking about software patent litigation data. So we've been having increasingly more and more software patent suits over the last 10, 20 years, which has produced a lot of data about how those suits work. So I discussed some of the trends, ways that the judges have been hearing these cases and the way they've been ruling on them. I talked about how the lawyers for the plaintiffs have gotten more savvy and more targeted in the way that they bring these suits. And I also talked talked about some of the legislation that is being tried in different jurisdictions to at least cut out some of the worst troll behavior in their states or municipalities. So we kind of looked at that, and then I talked about the Open Invention Network where I work, which is we run a defensive patent pool for Linux and Android and GNU and tons of other free and open source software projects. And it's a mutual non-aggression pact. Everyone agrees to not sue each other, and they cross-license the patents they do hold to each other for defensive purposes. So people that, of course, are developers have ideas and inventions that there are going to be a number of unique ones and so people would you talked about one method for avoiding patenting your invention and oh defensive publications yes could you talk a little bit about that yeah so a lot of folks would like to not necessarily get a patent on their work but not allow some other party to get patent on their work. And so you can register what's called a defensive publication with the U.S. Patent and Trade Office, which is essentially you're producing prior art that uh, lets the U.S. Patent Office, it helps them to understand better what the current state of the art is. And then they don't give a patent out on your idea because they have it in their database. That's the goal. Of course, uh, it has to also be indexed and keyworded correctly so that they can find it when they're looking for it, too. Right. And speaking more about the Open Invention Network, um, 
just reiterate what the mission is there and um, how it might help individuals that might not be plugged into a large company or have mm -hmm. resources and just really don't know a lot about that but still have good ideas and mm -hmm. inventions. Yeah, so the Open Invention Network was founded by six large companies that got sick of suing each other. They decided to sign an agreement to stop suing each other. And then because of the nature of uh, free and open source software, everyone is constantly using each other's stuff all the time. Our legal system depends on precedences, so the we'll call them the big fish, like IBM and Red Hat and uh, Novell and Sony. They decided, well, I guess we've got to invite some of the small and mid-sized fish in here, too, because the more people we have in the community of non-aggression, the better it's going to be. So so we provide this. Uh, it's, it's one of those great places where the community's needs are all aligned. Everyone wants less suing. So we've created a mechanism to uh, ensure that community members don't sue each other over uh, Linux and GNU and Android stuff. And that means that for smaller projects that don't have any patents or you know, don't have any uh, resources, they are able to borrow from the pool because they've got all these cross-licensed things. And it just it gives them what, uh, what my boss always likes to call freedom to operate. There's just a lot. You don't have to worry about your right-next-door neighbor. You, you have to worry about like the maybe the proprietary competitor that's doing a slightly different thing. But you don't have to worry about your uh, friends and community members suing you, which is great. So how are individuals members of the Open Invention Network? Yeah, so, well, individuals with projects, so our project size ranges from um, you know, like I said, IBM all the way down to, like, one person with a single, you know, maybe like 300 line code project. So, I mean, I don't know if 300 lines is I've picked that. It might be a little <laughs> bit more. Maybe they're working on more of it. But so there are small uh, projects that are like a single author and they have joined the Open Invention Network. So for people to get in touch with the Open Invention Network or to mm -hmm. get more information, mm -hmm. where do they go? Uh, so they can come to our website. It's the openinventionnetwork.com. And they can, there's a couple of different emails depending on what, you know, what they have questions about. If they're interested in defensive publications, um, they would go through the Linux Defenders part of the site and contact us there. If they're interested in becoming part of the Open Invention Network and, uh, you know, signing the Mutual Non-Aggression Pact, there's a specific, I hope, it seems to me, pretty obvious place on the website to contact us through for that. So. Is there anything else you want to say about patents, or <laughs> I'm sure there's much, but yeah, not specifically. I'll, I, I just it's it's just it's very interesting to have watched this topic go from a place where people had no idea what was going on and were passing along a lot of misinformation to where I'm, you know, I feel like the community is pretty well aware of what the problems are, what the difference between a practicing entity and a non-practicing entity is, and what the risks are, and and also that ignoring it's not going to fix it, and that they're, they're more excited about a proactive approach and I think that has to do with having a better understanding of the issue. So it's been really, it's been really fun for me to see like the community as a whole sort of become a little more savvy. Okay, and 
one last question about that. How long have you been working for the Open Invention Network? I think I'm at about three years now, maybe three and change. Okay. So, you know, not, I never think of this unless <laughs> I'm looking at my resume, which I haven't looked at in a while, so. <laughs> so you must be happy working there. Yeah, no, it's great work, and I, I, get to, I get to meet really smart people who are working on really exciting stuff, so. Yeah. When we talked about doing this interview, there was a couple other things we talked about, and one of them was uh, the Linux Fest that's going to be held in Seattle. Oh, and yeah. And you said, in the, told me, and then, of course, in the <laughs> session that you're involved in that. So why don't we hear a little bit about that? Right. So the Seattle Union Linux Fest uh, grew out of a couple of us that um, met here at Linux Fest Northwest. And... Um, uh, the first year I flew into Bellingham, there's like a teeny little kind of terrifying plane you can take from Seattle to Bellingham. <laughs> but I met some great folks, uh, free software activists and uh, coders and sysadmins from Seattle, and they said, well, next year you should just drive up from Seattle with us. So on those car trips, we were like, we should really have an event just in Seattle. And um, and that, you know, we eventually, like, talked ourselves into volunteering to run this event <laughs> because... Um, you know, if the eventually you come to the realization that somebody should run becomes you. <laughs> yeah. So, so the Seattle Union Linux Fest, uh, it's that's why it's like almost opposite the calendar year from Linux Fest Northwest. We don't want to steal their thunder. We're really more trying to add and emulate um, what they're doing. And this is this is a, an event that happens in downtown Seattle in the Capitol Hill neighborhood. Uh, we've partnered with a community college, so we want to make it really low stakes for people that live in Seattle to like kind of swing by and check out like free and open source software and see if that's a thing they want to learn more about. So like uh, it's a Friday and a Saturday. All day Friday we've got sessions for students that might be considering a, a career in free and open source software. And then uh, Saturday is a little bit more of a mix. We get more of the hobbyists and more of the hardware talks and stuff like that. But it's a it's a small but growing event. Um, we've got uh, Richard Strawman is one of our keynotes this year. Some of your listeners might know who he is. Um, <laughs> He's actually been interviewed on Hacker Public Radio before. Oh, I'm not surprised. By Pokey. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and um, so uh, so RMS is speaking, and then also Shauna Gordon McKeon, who is the uh, primary mover and shaker behind Open Hatch's work to uh, introduce students to free and open source software. So she's been traveling around the country, going to colleges, and doing uh, workshops to help people get to their first patch. So, you know, she's she's on the very bleeding new edge and then RMS is kind of where it all started. So we wanted we thought it would be really fun to have um, kind of both ends of the spectrum covered like that. Okay, so it's going to be on a Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then which day should I be planning on attending? Oh, I would say both. Like there will be a track for students on Friday, but there will be other stuff going on um uh, on Friday, and then uh, the keynotes are both on Saturday. It's it's a community college, so we get the big room on Saturday, but not Friday. It's, okay. it's one of those fun. They're giving us the uh, the college donates the space to us, so they've been a great partner. Yeah, and, uh, and this will be what year? Uh, this is our third year. Okay, this will be our third year, and it's uh, October twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Okay, and then that would be 2015. I want to get that in. Oh, because right, because this will, might be on the site for a long time. It'll, it'll be on there forever, I'm sure. And then um, 
for you know anything about lodging in the area around there? Is it is it close by lodging or? Yeah, actually, I stayed at uh, it was called the Silver Cloud Hotel. Okay. It's like yeah. it was a block away, and uh, uh, Seattle has a robust Airbnb community. Uh, there's you know all of the major hotel chains. If you're one of those people like a Point Town or whatever, I'm sure you'll be able to find your hotel in Seattle. Yeah. So another topic I talked to you about was um, Media Goblin and tell the HPR audience what your involvement with that is and how that's going. Right. So um, Media Goblin, is, it's a new project and it's uh, a decentralized media hosting. And I act as sort of our community liaison. So I do a lot of the writing of, uh, of the plain English stuff, not the code so much do a lot of our outreach planning. Uh, Chris and I work together on the fundraising campaigns that we've run. We've done two crowdfunding campaigns to get money in to uh, work on Media Goblin. And then uh, this coming year, I'm looking uh, into different options with Chris. Chris is doing the lion's share of the work, but he's, you know, we're collaborating a bit on figuring out a business model to offer hosting coupled with uh, a Media Goblin installation. Okay. So So a comparison of Media Goblin was something that's out there already. Um, can you, would you be willing to name a sure. service that's out there? People that... often say like, "Oh, it's like free software Flickr." Okay. Um, although I would say it's more than that because instead of uh, separating each of your media types out into a different place. And then having one large company have all your video, or and then another one have all of your music, and then another one have all of your pictures, and another one have all of your 3D models. You would have one website that is built around you. So uh, the media is sorted by the individual and not by the company that's chosen to host that media type, okay. uh, which gives you more control, and it gives you a more cohesive presence on the web, too. And this is a... FSF project, correct? It's a GNU project. A GNU project. Right. So, um, so your freedom is guaranteed. Yes. We're an ADPL project, so we use the GPL for the web, which is the Afero General Public License. Right. Um, we're one of the few GNU projects that is a web based project. Most GNU projects are part of the distribution, but um, we feel that. Uh, we're we're not going to talk people out of this whole internet thing, so we should enable them to use the internet and freedom. Okay, so what can people do to help Media Goblin? Oh, so uh, we're a Python project, and uh, so if you if you do Python, we'd love to have your uh, coding assistance. But even more so than that, we're very much a, a you know a user experience focused project. So if you uh, or have experience with user UX, or are just a really opinionated web user, we would love to hear from you. Come by and try out the software and tell us, you know, that we put the buttons in all the wrong places, or it's too hard to figure out how to do X, Y, or Z. So we we want people with opinions. We want uh, people who like to do writing. We want people to help us with user experience stuff. We um, we have a, a lot of translators, but I would say we we don't necessarily have translators for every language out there so um, we're always looking for translators and uh, encoders okay and then we can you have an IRC channel for Media Goblin we sure do we're uh, pound Media Goblin on freenode.net okay good so is there anything else you'd like to add I think those are most of the things like that's a that's (laughs) well I've enjoyed the conference here and your talk was really good and um, 
it's nice to see you again because I know I saw you, I think, two or three years ago. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thanks so much, David. It was really good to have yeah. the opportunity to come and talk to you again. Thank you. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.